Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is up, Browns fans? Welcome back to another exciting episode of Nothing But The Dogs. Uh, I am in the studio flying solo tonight with my boy, John Colosimo. Uh We are happy and excited, probably more so than we've been in a long time, because NFL football is literally one weekend away. And, you know, we were talking about this before the show, John, but it's amazing where we're at. The, the update today, the stats that came out today was that the NFL has conducted over 100,000 COVID player tests over the last three weeks and only four players have tested positive. I think, you know, the fact that we're this close to playing football and that the results are that minuscule right now in the NFL is, is completely blowing my mind in addition to some of the moves and some of the things that we did today um, as a team. I want to jump, jump into that first and, and get your thoughts about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, my initial thoughts are that that's in uh, basically unbelievable number. Uh, talking about, you know, four one thousandths, uh, you know, basically of a percent here. I, I just, that's that's pretty wild to me to even imagine that that's the case. And I wonder um, if the specificity on the word players um has any meaning um, and whether they, they don't seem to include staff or um, any um, personnel for the teams and those kind of things, which we know basically, you know, probably triples the, the size of the NFL. Yeah. It's quite remarkable that it's that low. And I think I can't recall all the coaches off the top of my head, but there's been a couple coaches that have, you know, gone through the protocol. There's been a couple players that have gone through the protocol early in the, the, the preseason, if you want to call it that, a training camp season, whatever it is this year, 2020, whatever you want to call it. But uh, I think it's going to get really kind of interesting when the season starts and these games start to happen and players start to want to celebrate victories. I mentioned it on Twitter and I was talking with my brother earlier as well. And we kind of went back and forth on this. And I mean, it's going to be really tough for the young guys, even for veterans who want to go out and enjoy themselves. But uh you know, we'll, we'll leave that discussion for another episode. I think in terms of enjoying ourselves today as Browns fans, you know, we saw some really quick action out there on the transaction wire with the Jaguars coming to the table and essentially saying that they were interested in, in shopping Ronnie Harrison. And within, I'd say, maybe a couple hours, we saw the report from Ian Rappaport that the Browns had traded uh, a fifth round pick 2021 fifth round pick, essentially the same pick that we acquired with the deal, I believe for, for Corbett 
and we turned it into to Ronnie Harrison, right? So we got some, uh, I guess, young depth at that position, uh, essentially an up and coming player from what I could gather today, uh, you know, was dubbed as the communicator and one of the most important cogs in the 2017 Alabama defense and, you know, has had a really good career so far in, in run support, it would seem. He's got, I believe, 29 stops in two seasons, which indicates, again, that he's going to be spending some time in the box. Um, he's got some success in pass coverage. His PFF grades are green in pass coverage, uh, green in pass rush, and green in tackling. And so it's really going to come down to how well he can, he can play in coverage, I think, for us. But a, a welcome addition with, the obviously, the injury to Grant Delpit and just some question marks about our secondary. So I'm really stoked about that. I think it was a great move, a masterful stroke, if you will, from um, one Mr. Andrew Barry, who's having himself quite a rookie season as GM. But uh, I don't know, what are your thoughts and feelings about that, John? Yeah, I think it was a nice little buy low option for the Browns. Uh, obviously, it was something where uh, with the injuries and, and condition of the secondary to begin with before any injuries, uh, it's nice to see them making a an aggressive move to uh, just bring in some talent, um, which you know he he definitely has some some good things going for him. Uh, it's you know it's it's not like he brought in a, an all pro or a pro bowler guy, but it's a guy that can help, and that's exactly what we're looking for. And I would imagine that the announcement that was hours before the actual trade was was probably more of a last-ditch ploy for Jacksonville to see if anybody would top the Browns' offer, which uh, looks like Barry priced it well because it went through. So, Yeah, I think we made another move today too, and I think we'll have to see what this one's all about. I, I don't know much about the, the player. Uh, I think his name is Brady Ayo. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he was a tackle at Oregon and we acquired him today. It, essentially, to me, seems like it's going to be a guy that's going to end up on the practice squad, or at least we're going to try to get onto the practice squad. You know, again, sort of another heady move, trying to think ahead. Another young player that has some experience, uh, I believe, coming from, from Minnesota as well. So he's coming from that offense, some familiarity with Stefanski. But other than that, I don't know very much about the player. But uh, we're just going to assume it was a good move because that's all Andrew Barry does. <laughs> and I'm not going to say this because I think this guy's going to come in and, and has a higher ceiling than another guy that we're going to probably have a really hard time getting on the practice squad, and that's Alex Taylor. And we'll get into all this here in a second as we give you, our listeners, our breakdown and prediction prediction uh, for the, the roster this season. But – the stuff that we're hearing out of Berea, and I think this goes for anyone who's who's following along, especially uh, Jake Trotter, Callahan is doing a great job and having a, a really significant impact and early on in a lot of this offensive line. So, again, you bring guys along, you coach them, you give them, uh, again, the type of uh, oversight that Callahan can give as one of the best that it's ever done, uh, one of the best that's ever done it. And I think, again, you've got a recipe for success in the long run. So I'm excited to see how we bring along players um, that we have on the practice squad. But, uh, yeah, I guess that leads us in to the 53-man roster. So we sort of, before the show, were rapping about what we thought. And obviously there's a lot of people that have put their thoughts out there already. 
And to be quite honest, I don't think neither of us have paid a lot of attention to that. Just both been really busy with work and, and everything else that life has been throwing at us. But I took a, I took a little stab at this earlier and John and I were talking about it. So we'll give you a little sort of rundown on what we think, you know, we can predict anyways, just based on what everyone else knows, right? Just the, the limited footage that we've had at camp, the reports that we're getting from, from the beat and just sort of the general vibe and consensus that we have on the roster. So we'll start off on offense and at center, JC Treader obviously is the headliner with Nick Harris, you know, behind him, some great reports in camp from, from Nick Harris and him filling in admirably and doing a good job while Treader's been out with the knee. Seems like Treader's coming along pretty well. I saw some speculation today, uh, at least on Twitter, right, that uh, he should be expected to be back for week one against Baltimore. I'll still kind of wait to, to see it, then I'll believe it kind of a thing with that. I'm hoping that's the case, but uh, that's what I got for, for center. I don't know. Do you have any objections on that, John? No, I don't think there were um, too many more options as far as that. I don't think they're going to carry three centers. Um, and um, even with the treader injury um, and Nick Harris has a, had those good reports and, and will likely start out there, but. Right. Right. And I think the good news is that, you know, there, there's probably a guy they'll try to get on the practice squad that has some versatility. It's, you know, the ability to play center. And so, yeah, having two is all we need. Then we go over to offensive guard. And I think this is a position that we sort of got devastated with, a lot of the opt-outs, uh, we didn't expect uh, to kind of be down two, two guard options. And so when you look at the roster right now, we only have three true guards on the roster. You got Joel Batonio, Michael Dunn, and Wyatt Teller. So you're going to go ahead and Sharpie in Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller. And then, I, you know, I don't know if Michael Dunn, and I don't know much about him. I don't know if he makes the team just because – We'll talk about this guy in a second. You know, having Chris Hubbard there who can play pretty much any position, guard or or tackle, gives you that versatility to carry him and, and flex across two positions. So, I don't know. Do you see anybody else sneaking into the, the guard spot here? No. I You know, I agree with uh, what you've got here. I think you're going to rely on – um, you know, a combination of your the most athletic guys that you can have. So you want guys that can play tackle if you're going to have swings. And then, um, you know, salary comes into play as well. So, you know, people with guaranteed money and those types of things. So uh, it makes sense to uh, have be keeping more tackles than you are guards. And, and if if things go go south quick, then you'll be moving, a, a, you know, one of those swings at tackle over to guard to, to try and plug a hole for a week or two. Well, I think what we're also, or what you might be overlooking too, is the versatility of Nick Harris in this situation. I mean, if we have a, a healthy JC Treader, Nick Harris can and has played guard. Not that, I mean, he's been obviously practicing at center, but he can do that as well. So he gives you some versatility, but yeah, you're right. hundred percent. I think that's why in our 53 here that we have, we definitely have more tackles than, than guards, right? Absolutely. So why don't you why don't you take us down the uh, the offensive tackle list? I think we've got a couple headliners that everyone will be aware of, and then a, a few others that uh, people may disagree with. But what do you what do you what do you got? 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, these are names that you know, um, which uh, sometimes that's good, sometimes it's bad as we go down through them. You know, we got Conklin, we've got Wills, um, you know, we got Chris Hubbard back and Kendall Lamb. You know, these are guys that have been on the roster. Right, and and if 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 it is needed, having Hubbard in there before Lamb would be, you know, would be, I guess, preferable, maybe. I, I don't know. It's going to really depend on the system, I suppose, and, and how these guys adapt within that system. But I think the only other wrinkle I could see here is the Browns feeling that they can't get Alex Taylor on the practice squad, that he's not going to clear that waiver process. And for some reason, and I don't think he's remotely ready, but I, I don't know if they find a, an injury to IR him for or you know something, some way to control – his contract and control him as a player. Because again, if you try to sneak him on the 53, I don't think he's going to be ready. And I think, yeah, you're excited about his potential, but at the same time, you kind of would prefer Hubbard or Lamb over him just because he is so, so raw yet. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with, with Alex Taylor. Agreed. Agreed. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things where it just depends on how desperate a team is, right? There's always somebody around this league that, um, can get desperate enough that it's going to be worth a spot on their 53 to take a chance on that where it, it won't be for 30 other teams. So. Right. See, uh, see Curtis Weaver now, uh, <laughs> now on the Browns. Right. <laughs> so moving along here, obviously uh, quarterback, we won't spend much time on quarterback. I think everybody knows Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum are going to be the uh, the two dressing quarterbacks on game day. I don't think we're going to see a third quarterback this season. I don't know if it makes much sense to, to do that. Uh, but that's what we got at quarterback. And then at running back, kind of how I saw it, you know, falling is clearly Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And then I, I've liked Dearness Johnson for for quite a bit. Uh, I think as the third running back, he, he gives you a, a little bit more than – uh, what you might be getting with Dontrell Hilliard. And then obviously we're going to lump in Andy Janovich here with the running backs. So we're going to keep four running backs in total on the roster. Uh, Dearness Johnson giving you a little bit of that special teams ability as well. I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts? Do you see that happening or do you like Dontrell Hilliard better here? What, what do you think? I think Hilliard does have a better shot uh, than maybe most people will give him. It just depends on, um, you know, part of that is I, I just haven't gotten to see training camp and, and preseason games like we normally would uh, to to see him get into the system, to see how he might fit, how he, how he, you know, he's, he's been a solid receiver and um, I don't think he's unrosterable. That's for sure. Let's go ahead and unveil the wide receiver position. Cause I think this is one that has people sort of perplexed a little bit uh, just because there's some names in there that, uh, again, offer a lot of that versatility, especially in the return game, that may make a player like Dontrell Hilliard expendable. Um, or on the reverse side, if if they feel really strongly about a couple of these guys in the return game, they may want to keep that third running back that that is more of a true running back that can do more running back type things. But one thing is for sure, the coaching staff has placed a, a huge emphasis, at least it seems in the recent days, on special teams production. They've made it known that that's a, that's a goal of theirs for a while, actually. But in, in terms of talking about players like JoJo Natson, they've, you know, whether it's strategic or whether it's on accident, which I have a hard time believing, 
they have definitely alluded to him being sort of a weapon, um, has multiple uses, and is just a really good football player. So, again, some intrigue and some mystery as we go down the wide receiver column, but headlined first and foremost by the Odell Beckham. Then we've got Jarvis Landry. And then from here, you know, it, it's this is where it starts to get a little interesting. You know, I have the next wide receiver in theory on the depth chart being Richard Higgins. Then after that, you have Kadero Hodge, who was a great special teamer, and he's going to continue to earn, you know, his keep there with opportunities to, to play uh, wide receiver as well. Then you've got Donovan Peoples-Jones, had a pretty good camp against, albeit, you know, the second string, sometimes first string, but against our own guys, uh, but had a good camp. So that's really exciting to hear. And then Jojo Natson, the sort of electric returner type guy that will probably never really see the field in wide receiver situations. He may, I may be completely wrong on that, but my guess is, you know, his sole value or big value is going to be in the return game. So that's what I have. I have us keeping six wide receivers. John, what do you, uh, what do you think about my list? Anybody else from that wide receiver room. Cause I, there are some, you know, there are some, uh, some guys out there that were, were certainly left off. So. Well, in my, in my mind, I, I think that top five is uh, pretty solid. Uh, I think you, you're going to have those guys, the, the Higgins people, Jones and Hodge behind Beckham and Landry. The, I think that, that Natson, that sixth spot is a up in the air spot. It depends on how they feel elsewhere in the roster. But uh, given the you know the use of a fullback, given the um, use of two tight end sets, um, I could I could see a scenario where they only keep five. And you make a a succinct but good argument. I think in terms of the numbers game, they very well could take that extra player and, and move him around. Uh, we know we don't. We don't need six wide receivers, but that's sort of how I saw it falling out. I think it's going to be hard to keep Donovan Peoples-Jones off the roster, clearly. Yeah. Um, and, and I really don't think, you know, Rashard Higgins just has fallen off as a player. I mean, he has such great rapport with, with Baker. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dr. Mayfield, um, he had some great next-gen stat separation statistics. Um, his market share to production, uh, you know, was really good. So... I have a hard time believing it. I know that he didn't really come on until the last part of camp, but you know, maybe he's a surprise guy that isn't kept along or isn't kept around. So we'll just have to see. I think another position where we're just going to have to see is, uh, is tight end and that there's been a lot of noise about this position and a lot of noise about one of the specific players that has really gotten <laughs> under my, under my skin. We won't dive into that, but let's just, let's just talk about the the way we saw this falling out. And that is essentially four uh, four players. We got Austin Hooper at the top, David Njoku as the number two, and then the uh, fast budding rookie Harrison Bryant at number three, with Steve Carlson at number four. Um, so I think the first the first guy, two time All Pro Austin Hooper, just is self explanatory. Uh, David Njoku. A lot of Clevelanders want to write him off. 
clearly had some drop issues his rookie season. Everyone knows the story. I think a lot of them are being foolish and throwing in the towel far too quickly on a player who has elite athleticism and has shown the ability to improve his, uh, you know, his drop issues. So, again, I still firmly see him with that those years of experience as the number two uh, tight end in this system. I think that's why they extended him. That's why they talked to him instead of tr- giving him the trade that he requested is they, they see that value and that need here in the system. So anyways, Najoku number two, and then Harrison Bryant, that really exciting option, right, as, as the third tight end. I hope we play a lot of three tight end sets. I don't know how much we will, but having those three guys on the field where you can move Harrison Bryant around, not just uh, sort of in the H-back position, but you can actually split them out wide as well. I think that gives you a lot of exciting mismatches. So looking forward to see if we do that. And then, you know, I had actually thought uh, Farrell Brown had better blocking uh, capabilities. Turns out Steve Carlson is the, the better blocker of the two. And if I'm keeping a fourth guy around, I'm probably going to keep the guy who I know can step in and block um, and and do a good job of that if I need to call, you know, that in. So that's why I kept Steve Carlson in this scenario. And uh, yeah, I don't know. What what do you think about that? Yeah, I feel pretty strongly about this in that you're keeping four. Uh, And beyond that, uh, regardless of whatever fans feelings about Njoku we did not get to this point with him on the roster to cut him off the 53 so either somebody's going to come in with something in the range of a a third round or higher which I don't think that's actually what this team is looking for um, or um, or he's going to be on this roster you know and uh, do I uh, do I think it's really Hooper and Njoku one and two Uh, maybe not maybe it's uh Maybe Njoku is Hooper's backup, and then you've got some other guys, um, you know, on the other side. I, I don't know how they're gonna the hash out the snaps, but uh, I'm not buying that he's gonna get cut certainly, and I'm not buying um, that we're gonna keep less than four tight ends on this roster. So yeah, man, I think I'm just gonna throw this out there for any listeners that that are actually listening and care, but you know, behind Njoku. Farrell Brown and Steven Carlson combined have nine career targets, seven career receptions, 78 career yards, and one career touchdown. So, I mean, I get you're excited about Harrison Bryant, but if you want to make him and rely on a rookie tight end as your number two, and then behind that you have uh, seven receptions for 78 yards amongst two players, I I don't know. I, I don't like that situation as much as I like having an athletic freak with upside and David Njoku in there as my number two. And so that's where I'm going to leave this, uh, not really debate because this is my R damn 53 roster, but, uh, <laughs> that's, that's my, uh, that's my soapbox about, uh, Mr. Njoku. So, okay, let's, um, let's go down to defense. I think, again, we've got some interesting, uh, scenarios kind of, being created on defense by injuries. We've talked about them on the podcast before. And and so let's get started with uh, the defensive backfield, and I'll let you kind of run down um, the list that, again, we sort of headlined here at the beginning of the show. Sure. Uh, yeah, we got Warden Williams. Uh, we've got Hibben Johnson at the nickel. We've got uh, Money Mitchell, um, Alumba, uh, A.J. Green, 
Stewart and Tavier Thomas. Uh, we've heard good things from AJ Green. Uh, we know what we have in Money Mitchell. Um, we have uh, very good things to say about Kevin Johnson's time, I think, you know, overall uh, since he's been here uh, concerning a nickel spot and being able to fill in other spots if necessary. We know that we're dicey in the in the top two in Ward Williams, whether, you know, we're coming in healthy or coming in, you know, with one healthy and, and one a little bit dicey. But I, th- I think they're just going to have to do the spaghetti against the wall type strategy in regards to the numbers game. Yep. And you need numbers in the system, right? Woods likes to play a heavy defensive back system. so He does. Yeah, that's a good point as well. I mean, and certainly you've got the safety versatility that can that can mix in with that. But, um, you know, that's, that's a good point. You know, we're going to have to have uh, a deep room. And this, this list provides you that. It does provide you with a lot of young players that you haven't really seen a lot from. Uh, I think you may see a player on this list that, that isn't on, on the team because of a move we make after the roster cuts or maybe we try to you know you know trade trade for somebody uh, on another roster and we want to bring them over as you know again one of those bottom sort of guys or a guy that we need to kind of elevate up um, higher up the depth chart because of for whatever reason right just add better talent add a good value if we can you know do that I think uh, defensive back and or safety maybe even defensive defensive line defensive tackle which we'll get to but I think those are those are the areas maybe I can expect to see some some sort of move after after the cuts to this team to kind of turn that bottom of the roster kind of thing. Yeah, I, I want to emphasize that point, Mike. That's a really really good point. Um, it probably um, I, I wish I would have brought that up just to begin with. Uh, I do expect Andrew Barry to be very aggressive when it comes to other people's cuts um, at some of these weaker positions. So. Yep. Yep. I. I you know, I think we've been aggressive, but we've continued to be smart and play within those bounds that I was questioning when we had Jake on and when we had Brent on, I asked them both the same question. Like, Hey, do we, are we at the point or when do we get to the point where, you know, we have to step outside of those bounds that we've been operating in those guardrails, if you will, whatever those are set by Deep Podesta and the powers that be in the analytics team, you know, do we step outside those things to be a little bit more risky, you know, to go get a player because of this, the state of the roster. And I think what we're seeing is the Browns are sticking to the plan. They're not really deviating even in the face of some, some, you know, some challenges early on here. So I think you can expect them to be aggressive, but smart and kind of deal from our area of strength, which right now is, you know, we have cap space and we've got resources. So as long as we're smart about those and we get good returns, I, again, I expect us to churn probably another two or three players on the bottom part of or middle part of these rosters um, after this weekend. So anyways, without further ado, safety, as you guys know, this is one of the rooms that was devastated and the loss of Grant Delpit was going to be our uh, central chess piece on this defense. So losing him was quite a blow uh, in terms of what we were expecting to see from this defense and, and just really from him as a, as a rookie. I think people had high expectations and what he was going to bring to the team. So we're now, and I don't say this, you know, lightly, but we were now left with Carl Joseph. Uh, we've got Sheldrick Redwine, Andrew Sandejo, and then today's addition, Ronnie Harrison. So that's what we have uh, and on our list anyways for, for the safeties. And again, people may see things differently here, 
but I don't know, John, do you see anybody else on, on the, I mean, there's really not a lot of options um, besides the, the rookie Javante Moffitt, to be honest. I think that's, that's the only other safety option. So unless we bring in five safeties, I, I think this is pretty much going to be a lock for what we can expect. Well, yeah. I mean, I think uh, considering what we have in front of us, but I don't see the free. So, uh, you know, unless we're, we're that confident in red wine, doing something like that so yeah i i mean i don't disagree with you for the most part carl joseph clearly is what he is sandejo is what he is i think he offers you a little versatility i think ronnie harrison offers you some versatility he's decent in coverage he can do some things if he gets your if he gets his hands on you early um he's pretty athletic uh and then i'm a believer in sheldrick redwine i think he can play the free safety position i don't know at what level I think at this point we're going to be counting on him to play it at a pretty damn high level. So this will kind of be his litmus test. And I'm hoping that he, you know, he kind of shines through here for us. But uh, again, like we mentioned, I think safety could definitely be a position that we go aggressive after the cuts or in an acquisition to try to shore up and make up for the loss of Grant Delpit for the year. But again, at, at what cost, right? That's, that's the big question because it's going to be just for one year. So, the, the benefit of Ronnie Harrison, I think, is that we get two more years on his contract. So even though Carl Joseph and I believe Sandejo are both one-year deals, Ronnie Harrison gives you that extra kind of year a cushion, if you will, to kind of uh, address that position long-term, whether that's through draft or free agency next season. So um, something to keep an eye on there. But onwards and upwards to linebacker, another much maligned position. Um, you know, Mac, Mac Wilson went down early. Seems like he's been making some uh, some big strides, though, recently. I'm not sure I'm going to expect him back any sooner than the end of September. Uh, however, you know, some positive news there. So, obviously, he's on he's on the roster. Sione Takitaki's on the roster. Uh, you know, we, we made a deal to acquire Malcolm Smith. He's on the roster. Uh, the rookie, Jacob Phillips, is on the roster. And probably day one base Mike, B.J. Goodston's on the roster. So, that's who I have locked up is, is five linebackers. And then, you know, I've seen some positive reports about Tay Davis. I, I don't know enough to speak on him as a linebacker. Uh, I think special teams, again, he has some value. So, again, maybe we see the Browns uh, roster six linebackers. But given the fact that it's going to be more, I think, defensive back heavy, uh, again, we could take that position. And, again, I, I would be easily talked out of, uh, rostering six six linebackers, except for the fact that Mac Wilson is out for a while, right? So you, you, you kind of have to, um, in a sense, unless there's a way that we can IR Mac Wilson, which I don't think we can. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? This is one position for sure that I can say I'll be surprised if I don't see a new name. Uh, we just don't have a lot going for us. And uh, I think that there will be other teams that release players that are better than what we've got here. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if uh, the media gets their wet dream fantasy of miles Jack. I think a lot of the, <laughs> a lot of the local guys have been fantasizing. <laughs> it's just over a name, right? There. So we'll, we'll see if that happens, but yeah, so that's linebacker position. Again, at this point uh, we're going to say that we're going to roster six because of Mac Wilson sort of being up in the air. And we're going to move on to defensive end where I think we're pretty much at this point locked in stone. Um, I, I don't care what people think. This is, this is what I think is going to happen. We're going to have Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, uh, Porter Guston, and Adrian Claiborne. And that's it. 
I don't think Chad Thomas has a home in Cleveland anymore. I think he just doesn't really offer you much besides setting the edge. Uh, and so I think we're going to go with, with four defensive ends. And I feel pretty solid about those guys. So, you know, especially after going through these last three positions, uh, comparatively speaking. Yep. And I think there's really nobody else on the roster besides um, Chad Thomas and Robert McRae uh, to, to pick from. Right. So, I mean, this, this is going to be your group, I think. And it's a good group. Adrian Claiborne is a good third rusher. Porter Gustone, uh, Gustin is, I mean, at least he's showing out and, and flashing at camp based on all the reports. So I get this it has, it's been a long time since we've had more than one or two decent, you know, edge rushers. So it's going to be exciting to see what that group can put together. And then lastly, uh, defensive line who again was impacted by the opt out losing Andrew Billings, I think was a huge blow uh, to this team was really excited to see what, what he could bring. And now I think that sort of thrusts rookie Jordan Elliott up into the mix a little higher than and sooner than we may have wanted per se. But, you know, starting off here, you've got Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi, Jordan Elliott, and then it's going to be really up in the air between um, Daniel Aquale and Eli Ankul. So, or Anku. Eli, I think, has shown a little bit more production not much but he's shown a little bit more production as a professional yeah he's he's flashed as a run stopper and I think he's bigger I think he's at like 330 whereas Aquale is like 300 so depending on what they want to do with the defensive line in the middle um, you know they may flip-flop those guys I really don't know but to me uh, based on very limited knowledge when I'm probably wrong I think uh, Eli uh, Anku is going to be the guy in terms of filling things out, if you're counting at home, that puts us at 50. And special teams will round it out. Long snapper, uh, Charlie Hewlett. Then we've got the punter, Jamie Gillen, and kicker, Austin Seibert. So that, that's our 53-man roster here from uh, Nothing But The Dogs. And, uh, yeah, it's exciting to say that this, this, you know, we have a potential finalized roster. It's exciting to say that. I mean, for all intents and purposes, next weekend is going to be NFL football. And uh, I think what we do here, John, is we'll save our looking forward to Baltimore discussion for next week's podcast. And uh, we can kind of, I guess, if you have any closing thoughts, go ahead and share those. No, I think we're we're in that in-between spot right now, right? Where we're, um, it's, it's, it's less exciting than it usually is because we don't have those preseason games to, you know, get on these horses with some of these players, uh, you know, and have our favorites or, or that kind of thing that uh, we might normally have, you know, and we're not at that point where like, Hey, it's game week, a couple of days here, guys. And uh, we'll, we'll all be a lot more excited in, in just a few more days. So keep, keep building up, keep building up that, that tantric moment that will be the Cleveland Browns Sunday football, <laughs> where we all release in excitement and glory as we, as we win. Right. No, but um, I, I think, you know, this season and a lot of intents and purposes is sort of going from zero to a hundred, you know, it's kind of almost like that, uh, that frozen pipe that you have in, in a cold winter storm that, you know, somehow you're able to, to heat it up over time, whether that's with a hairdryer or whatever, you, you know what I'm talking about? If you live in Cleveland in an old house and it's, <laughs> it's happened to you, um, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get running water, right. 
but my, my, my point is that you, we haven't really got to see a lot so far this preseason, and we're going to go from zero to 100 real quick, and that excitement and that suspense is going to be uh, palpable next week. So I'm looking forward to that, looking forward to chopping it up with you and Josh and uh, all the Browns fans out there. So until then, guys, take it easy, stay safe, and uh, we appreciate you guys listening to Nothing But The Dogs. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.